Hello, and welcome to Grow With Soul. I'm Kate Ferris, a coach, writer, hiker, and recovering high achiever, and this is a work in life podcast. Join me for discussions and musings about how our work can be a small and magical part of a bigger, more meaningful life. So come on in, get comfy, and let's begin. Hello, welcome back to Grow With Soul. And today may sound ever so slightly different because this is the first episode I'm recording in my new house. Even as I'm hearing my own voice in this room, I can tell it sounds maybe a little bit more echoey than it did before. And I have these marvellous, huge windows which let in so much light, but they're also single glazed. And there is also a surprisingly busy road right outside. So maybe we'll hear some cars, maybe we'll hear some cows, maybe we'll hear some horses, and maybe that will just add to it rather than be a terrible distraction. But yes, do let me know if the sound quality on this makes the podcast unlistenable for you and I will come up with some solution. But today I am back to answering your questions following the mindset Q&A that I did a few weeks ago. Now today's questions are more practical I'd say but not you know hugely practical and it's more about sticking with your path, redirecting your career, choosing which ideas to follow, figuring out what you want and simplifying rather than being stuck in the busy trap. So without further ado let's get going. So first of all I've got two questions which kind of felt to me like the same question. So one was, well, neither of them were questions, they're kind of statements. <laughs> so the first was keeping your path and avoiding getting kettled onto the path people assume you should be on. And the second, when it feels like there's an unbridgeable gap between how you want to do things and how everyone else does those same things. So in the last Q&A, I answered questions about comparison, but I didn't feel that these questions or statements really lived there. These questions aren't from people for whom what they want is swayed by others. They seem pretty steadfast in the path they want to take. These are not questions of comparison, but of expectation. What to do when what you want to do goes against what is expected of you. Now, expectation is a highly magnetic force. To follow expectations is so much easier. You slide into a well-worn groove and there's very little resistance. You don't need to explain or justify yourself. Everybody understands you and your role. And yet it can also feel in a way that nags at you until you can no longer bear it, like self-betrayal. Getting out of that groove makes the record scratch and people frown at you and, and try to pull you back in. And although it's hard, it feels like a truer, freer, 
more honest existence. But because expectation is this magnetic force, it's something we are always going to have to work at resisting. These questions seem to seek a kind of final solution when really this is just an ongoing process of ensuring that your commitment and belief in your own path is stronger than the magnetism. Daily, weekly, quarterly, refocusing and refreshing so you don't find yourself one day on the precipice of falling back into that groove. It's maintaining a constant connection to the reason why you're doing it your way, indulging in those benefits of freedom and in refusing to justify your methods to those who would pull you away from your path. You are allowed to protect your energy, protect your work and protect yourself from those expectations. And with that unbridgeable gap, I guess my question is, why is that a bad thing? If the way you want to do things and the way everyone else does things are so different, why do you want to build a bridge to them anyway? Perhaps you think that bridge will make you feel more like you're doing things right or give you comfort in proximity. Perhaps you want it to help create community, but that bridge isn't one way. As much as you can go over to them, they can come over to you with their expectations. And is that the kind of access you want to allow to yourself and your work? What if you saw that gap as safety, as a moat around your castle, a place where you were able to do things your own way and only lower a drawbridge to those who got it and to those who wanted to come in? So next, I've again got Two questions which seemed like very similar questions. And I quite love that we all seem to be on the same page with what we're struggling with. So these two, the first one is, if you have lots of ideas, how do you know which to pursue and which are distractions? And the second, if you're full of ideas, how do you know when to confidently go with one? So ideas are the worst, aren't they? You either go, months without a single one or you get all of the ideas in one go sort of jumping up and down in your brain and demanding attention when you're full of ideas leaning back into your big picture is to my mind at least the only way to ascertain which ones to use and which to put away ideas can be very short term and exciting you know like oh let's go and do this But are you building something that is short term or something that has longevity and direction? What is the big picture of the work in life you're wanting to create? How is it you want to feel in your day to day? What body of work do you want to build? Who do you want to be in 30 years? These questions help to give perspective to the ideas. It becomes clear which ideas will compromise that vision or that at least don't as strongly contribute to it in the way that others do. Another thing to find out is which ideas are patient. One of the benefits of working for yourself is that you can rip up a plan and action something straight away. But the downside of that is that often you're putting something into motion without letting it brew and work out if you actually want it. If you could only work on two projects a quarter, which ones would you choose? Which ones would you put aside for six months? 
So this happened with an idea I had called mapping. I had the name mapping come to me about three years ago. And at first I thought, oh, this can just be a course on strategy. And then later on I revisited and thought maybe it'd be a group program or something. But none of it kind of felt quite right. And I just kept parking it and kept parking it. But mapping was patient. And last month kind of presented to me the form that it is indeed supposed to take. And that's what I will be working on this winter. So it might be meant to be, but not meant to be right now. And with the question of confidently going with one, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can't with full confidence say, this is it. Because the only way to know is to do. To want to have full confidence in an idea before going with it is a one-way ticket to immobility and paralysis. It's just, it's so much pressure. And also often the idea that means the most to you is the one that's most scary. And so it's the one you feel less confident, especially in the outcome of. So perhaps instead, think about picking the one you want to try doing first with the others as backup. Less attachment to the outcome with knowledge that everything can be undone and redone. Okay, next question. Any advice on fighting the need to be busy? And to be honest, I really have the opposite problem in creating some sort of need to do something and be somewhat busy. But as I have spoken about before, this wasn't always the case. And there was a time that I couldn't go outside for half an hour without thinking about how I was going to make back the time. I think the need to be busy comes from a different place for all of us. Maybe a parent, a teacher, a boss, a culture. And identifying that for yourself is the equivalent of finding the root of a particularly intrusive, gnarly, winding weed. Perhaps you had a parent who would chastise your laziness and when you heard them pull upside in the car you would like jump up and grab the hoover or something in order to try to look busy. Perhaps you had a teacher who would say the only way to succeed was to work really hard and do all the extra reading. Perhaps you had a boss who expected everyone to work late and taking a full lunch break was frowned on. And perhaps we all just grew up in this culture where ceaseless productivity was valued above all else. The expectations to do it all and have it all. Perhaps it's a combination of all of those things. But understanding the specific root of your belief helps to relearn it. When you don't want to be like your mother or like that boss or that colleague, it can help provide perspective. It's all just made up, you know, your busyness, your productivity has no bearing at all on how good of a person you are. And then it's identifying what's more important than that need to be busy, the want to be fulfilled, to help, to create, to rest, to be calm, to thrive, connect whatever it is for you how can you make it your focus 
for me, shifting my working focus from how can I be the most busy, successful person ever to how can I be the most fulfilled version of myself enabled over time the busyness to entirely fade away because the way I was structuring what I was doing and how I was doing it fundamentally shifted. And all of those things that are worth having that I just listed, with all of them, being busy is actually an obstacle to those things. It gets in the way and it hinders everything you actually want. And it makes you think it's the only way to get what you want, but the truth is it's getting in the way. Next, and actually sort of linked to the busy question, I guess, is how do you work more simply without overcomplicating it, which adds on more hours? So I'm not sure whether this refers to overcomplicating the working simply or just overcomplicating work in general, but I suppose my answer is the same either way, actually. Imagine time is a finite resource and all you got was 24 hours a day. Imagine that on your desk was a timer counting down all those minutes that you'll never, ever get back. What if you used that as motivation, as a new focus, to treat those minutes as the most precious things you have and use as many as possible for joy? I guess what I'm saying is, what if you removed it as an option to add on more hours? Just took that completely off the table. What if those hours were so precious, you protected them rather than threw them away with, you know, oh, I'll just do more hours later after dinner. If you orientated your work with that focus, what might change? Perhaps you'd prioritize more ruthlessly. Perhaps you'd say no more, more easily. Perhaps you'd check your emails less. Perhaps certain things would suddenly become less important. A question I like to ask is, what's the least I can do? We've always been told to do our best and try really hard, but maybe we don't actually have to. Perhaps we can get the same results in a more streamlined way by doing the least amount possible. What working simply looks like will differ from person to person because, you know, it's different if you're a coach to if you're a potter. It's not about what you do, it's about how you approach it. That galvanizing fire of I have to use as few minutes as possible or it has to be done in two hours with no extensions forces you into simplicity because there's just no time to overcomplicate. Next up is connecting the dots in figuring out what you want and I still feel like I'm answering this a bit early because this is something I want to spend some time really unraveling this winter as I work on mapping. At the moment, it's as if I've got so much to say that I don't have anything to say. It's all so big and nebulous that turning it into a few pithy and specific paragraphs is kind of impossible. So maybe I will revisit this question in a few months. But for now, I'll say this, what comes to mind. (laughs) You can't try. And this is the hardest, hardest thing. When you don't know what you want, and all you want is to know, it's consuming. You think about it all the time. Maybe this, maybe that, but nothing really lands. And you think if you just try hard enough, if you think hard enough, if you push hard enough, then you'll get there. The trouble with this is that it all happens very consciously. In your hard trying, you are looking around at what others are doing. 
you're thinking about what you've done before, you're thinking about what you might like, you're taking advice from others. And all of this is coloured in expectation and it comes from outside of you and none of it is coming truly from you. So you need to lean back from the drawing board and just allow your inner self to ruminate. Stay attuned to the bubbling up and remain open to receiving the unexpected. Create your way through it. Nourish your way through it. Socialize your way through it. Journal your way through it. But you can't obsess your way to an answer. Trust me, I hate this advice. (laughs) It's not the advice I want to give and it is certainly not the advice I want to receive but it is the truest thing I've got. How to keep the momentum going for a business project when life circumstances make progress slow. And I I really feel this one because I thought I was going to be moving house in mid-August and then that didn't happen until the end of October. Every week I thought I was gonna be moving pretty much. And so that was two months kind of lost from projects to life circumstances where I just didn't have the headspace, the capacity or the resources to have any momentum for work. It feels immensely frustrating and at times quite hopeless and you can't always see the light at the end of the tunnel. So what I would say is that in those kind of critical life circumstances, it's just shifting your job Your job is not to make progress, but to keep it alive. Remove that pressure for forward motion. All you need to do is nurture the flame inside you and keep it burning, however weakly. And that can look different in different weeks. Sometimes it might be taking one or two actions towards it is what keeps it alive. Other weeks, it might just be remembering to think about it as something that will exist rather than something that will never happen every day, every week, how can I keep this work alive inside me? Our final question is how to let go of one career direction and redirect to another path. There's a lot unsaid in this question because it really depends on what you're letting go of. First of all, are you letting go of choice, out of necessity or against your will? Are you letting go of something you really loved, letting go of the status it inferred, letting go of stability? letting go of skill, letting go of identity, whatever the scenario, do what you need to make peace with what you're letting go of. It is natural and necessary to grieve an ending, even when it is your choice. Even with a good change, there will still be things that you're losing and things that you'll miss. Treating that with respect and honouring it rather than rushing to make yourself let go already will really help the transition to be more peaceful. So I'm not sure as well from your question whether you know what career path you want to move into or not. And if not, then perhaps what I just said about finding what you want may help. But if you do know where you want to go, then actually what I want to say is go easy. So often we rush headfirst into something because we're so excited We've got so many ideas and we just really want to do it. But this can also mean that we push ourselves down roads without really thinking about whether they're what we want. This is how we get backed into corners, burnt out, stuck, 
be satisfied later down the line. Because at the beginning, we rampage rather than think about where we're placing our feet. Take each step with intention, thinking long-term, conscious of what you want to create and how you want to feel. It may be slower, but in the longer view, it makes the change far more easeful. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining me. You can find the show notes on my website at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me on Instagram at simpleandseason. If you have a friend who you think would really enjoy this episode, please do send them the link and share where you're listening online too. Until next time, I hope you grow a song.